There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And hello, I'm Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you flat out around the world of Formula One. Now, today we are somewhere very special. We are at the home of Williams F1 in Grove. That's right, Johnny. We've been invited up by the team to have a look around, especially at our amazing Heritage Centre, which will be our first episode of our Williams special. And then, coming up in part two, we'll have a sit-down chat with the new boss around here, James Vowles. Looking forward to that, I have to say. But before we have a snoop around and lift the lid with James, let's go and have a look at the amazing team history. So, Johnny. Wow. We're here now, mate. I like this. Lots of toys to play with in here. There's from a cer- driver's point of view. There certainly is, yes. Well, of course, this is before my time, actually, this, this part of the world, especially this one here. We've got one on the right, Alan Jones, car 27. A little Saudi. 1978-79. That was the first Williams Engineering F1 car. First ever Williams the Engineering first car. first ever car. How did they get on with that car? Like I say, this is before both our areas. I don't think it was, it was one of the best. It wasn't one of their best. It definitely wasn't one of the best. Again, they're up against the Lotus. I only say that, because I've just Lotus. looked at the front wing and it's got champion written along the side. And I wondered, hold on a minute. Who's, they claim to be champions without actually winning anything. Uh, no, Billy. No? Uh, no, Billy. No, that definitely Just a little not. branded. Yeah, just a, uh, just a bit of a spark plug. But, spark plug thing. But it was the Lotus time. That was when they were dominating. That was when Lotus were the team. Yeah. Yes, they were the team to beat. So Looking over this side, definitely mate, though, didn't beat me that. We've thing. got another car over here in the 1980s. This one you probably know a little bit more about because I've driven it. Was a championship winning car. Yes, you've driven it. I've driven this one. Okay, yes. cool. The, F- the FW707B. Yes, cool. so it was Alan Jones won the championship in uh, 1980, and I drove the, one of the cars or the car I think that he won won one of the races in Australia around uh, Melbourne. So how was that? Pretty good. Loved it. A Cosworth in the back, lovely bit of a V8, and just a beautiful old school car that is just... It is old school, isn't it? It is proper old school, and it's just lovely to get it. You know, it's a fiberglass body with an aluminium monocoque as well. So it's just, you know, it's just got a lovely old feel and a lovely old sound when to it as well. When you compare something like this from the 80s to the modern era, you think about all the intricate little details you have on a Formula 1 car nowadays, all these bits to send the air in certain directions this is almost it looks like a a square box with a front (laughs) wing a rear wing and some big slicks on it well the the interesting thing it's ground effect yeah so it's exactly the same as what we've got now i'll tell you what's really amazing when we look at that car in front of us there i measured it up a little bit earlier on and i keep hearing about the cars are so big modern day formula one cars it's difficult to overtake that is one foot wider 
It's one foot wider. One foot wider really? than, than the, the new cars, yeah. It does look big, to be fair, from yeah. here. It's big tyres, but it's the front suspension. is just so, so wide. So, yeah, they're, they're, they were even more difficult to overtake back in those back days in because they, they were wide. And then we go next door, and this one. Keke Rosberg. Right? Another Keke Rosberg. I think it's probably the following year. And yeah. that one hasn't got a front wing on it. No front wing. Nope. It's got Which, the... when you think about Formula <laughs> 1 nowadays, mate, just any well, any single seat car nowadays. If you lost your front wing, you're in the pit straight away because you've got no downforce and you're not competitive. So it's weird to me to think about driving a Formula One car without a front wing. Yeah, I know it, it doesn't look right, but actually it looks right, <laughs> doesn't it as well? Again, ground effect skirts on the side, and that was something that Colin Chapman, Peter Wright, Lotus sort of first put on a on a Formula One car. Look, I don't know about you, mate, but it looks like <laughs> as a driver, you're sitting over the front wheels. From Pretty much. Because there's not that not front wing, off. that long front end that we're used to seeing in Formula One. It looks like you sat over the front two wheels, mate. So yeah, they did. And they shifted everything forward to try and get as much room as they could at the back to use the use the floor on the on the diffuser. Is that what it was for then? Yeah, it was just okay. trying to use everything they possibly could to get a as method much. To the madness. Always, always. I always remember the Renault, actually. The Renault, literally, I mean, when Renault Arnoux was driving it, I think they were sitting over the front axle. It was so far forward. But you're right. They have... Uh, changed just a little bit. Just a tad, for mate. Sure. Just a tad. I've got one to the right here. Special one here. Okay, what we got How many here? wheels are on my wagon? Normally, there'd be four in a Formula One car. I believe yeah. there's six on this. <laughs> <laughs> there is. They're not, they're not the, 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 the four that are on the front of the Tyrrell. It's the four that are at the back, which is absolutely... It just, it it just, just looks bizarre, doesn't it? It, <laughs> it just does, looks bizarre. It does look very, very bizarre. But uh, I don't... That's far as success went. No, it didn't really sort of work Do you know, properly. Do you, have you got any idea why they put four wheels at the rear end of the car what was the theory behind it well i think if you look at the the cars that had those big fat wide goodyear tires on on the rear yeah i think it was a way of just trying to make it slim it down and get a little bit of sort of straight line speed advantage as okay, well so, so slimmer so tires slimmer tires line. but let's put four on. let's put more on but they're narrow grip. they're more narrower but then it's the same width overall if you put those side by side, it'd be the same as the one rear on, the, on those. I wonder what that first <laughs> sort of meeting was like when, you know, the... Someone came up with the idea. The, all the ideas popped up and they went, yeah, let's put six wheels in a car. I wonder what the confusion was looking like on the people's faces in that meeting room. Because I would yeah. have been like, are you off your head, mate? Yeah, but then they, <laughs> they would have explained the reason. And then yeah. you would have probably gone, yeah, I get that. Narrower. Narrower. Yeah, faster in a straight line. Because obviously the downforce they were creating with the with the skirts and the the ground effect was just enormous. Back it is in the impressive day. looking at it. Is it is comparing the modern cars we've got in Formula One nowadays to these uh, these cars back in the eighties, mate. Yeah, but it's just the the space they've got the rear diffuser there, and that's why I was saying where everything's been shifted forward, it's the gap they've got to create sort of as as big a floor as they they possibly can. I'm getting excited now. Yeah, really. I'm getting say, excited. Being in here is like being in a a time capsule almost isn't it it literally like we're in the 80s right now we're going to walk around the corner shortly and we're going to be you know quite quickly coming up to the modern day stuff so yeah we I'm are looking forward to exploring and come seeing on what follow else me is in here. follow me because i want to see oh yes the white blue and yellow now that is cars. for me they're like classic williams that for me is where i start to okay i wasn't born in that area yet but even though I wasn't, I still remember those cars because they were successful and because just look at them. They just look... That's just That right there is Williams for me, that livery yes. setup they've got there. T- totally so. And again, we've got an FW09 and 09B. You've got an FW10, 10B. So this is still in the 80s. Yeah, the and we're still, this is still with Keke, Keke Rosberg. And that had a one win, it says, with Ke- Keke Rosberg and Jax Lafferty. Do you know the name? Jacks Lafferty. Jack's Let me Lafferty. have a look on that. Probably Black. butchering the pronunciation of this one. Jacks Lafferty. What is it? Huh? Go on then. Let Give me us have a look because it's French. It's French. Go on. Jacques Lafitte. Lafitte. Yes. Okay. Jacques Lafitte. Nailed it, mate. Lovely, lovely Jacques. Trebion, Trebion. Love you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds as good as my as my French, to be perfectly honest. So yeah, there's the the FW10 again. Quite big and bulky yeah, when we still, look at it. Very so wide. So this is 1985. So yeah, getting to the mid to late 80s here. Yeah, but yeah, they're still super wide, aren't they? The front suspension. Then no one's really tried to narrow that down yet. No, have they? definitely have still not. Still poking no. right out. No, exactly. But I want to move on left. This is where I 
get to the to my era when I, was I about started to, say, mate, we're, we're closing to drive. In on the, the Johnny Herbert era here. Yes, drive Formula One. So this is an FW11 with that wonderful Honda-powered uh, Williams car there, which was Nigel Mansell and Nelson yeah, Piquet. Nigel Mansell. Nigel Mansell, Williams, you know, that era, that for me is uh, something that stands out to me. This one's got red five on the front of it. Indeed. And that is... Do you know what? When I first started go-karting, my first year I won the British Championship, yeah. I had Red 5 on my go-kart. Oh, cool. And my dad mentioned it to me. He was like, oh, you got Red 5. That's Mansell's number because my dad was a big Mansell fan. Uh-huh. So since then, I've always had a bit of a thing where I'd always, you know, look back at the Mansell era and think, oh, yeah, I've got that connection because I won with <laughs> Red 5 on the front of my car. So it's a weird little subtle thing, but yeah. I like seeing that on the front of a Formula 1 car. So was it your choice or was it dad's choice? No, the Red, the red 5 came from the year before when yeah. I was nine years old. I came fifth in the British Championship. And at that okay, stage, so you had to take, if you finished in the top ah, 10, you took the number you finished. And dad did it's the like red. almost like a red. Yeah, and it, okay. was, it was red. So, right. yeah, red 5. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And again, this, I have to say, you, again, you've, you'll never hear it. The sound this thing made. It had a raspy, beautiful, raspy sound to it. At the back, I remember qualifying, I think I remember listening to it in Monza, I think it was. Wow, it was something else. You know, I bet they roared at Monza. Well, again, max power, I think. It was probably from 1,000 to 1,500 horsepower. Jesus. That's where they were pretty awesome pieces of kit I have it's quite to say. cool being in here isn't it because we've got you know obviously yeah. it's showing the history of the team around this place here at Williams and you've got clips of the cars actually in action and look the big puncture Adelaide, Adelaide. yeah with Nigel losing the world championship oh that car yeah he did well to hang on to it for as long as he did there that was so before sad before he eventually decided yep, yeah part this one up she's done that's right then, that was huge. Then Nelson Piquet was behind and should have won the championship. He had a, uh, a problem as well, and it ended up being Alain Prost who won it. This is Silverstone, side by side with uh, Nelson Piquet, which has got it on the screen overtake. in front of us. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Williams has definitely set this place up well because we're having a little wander around here for our podcast, and we're absolutely glued to the screen. We are glued to the screen. I think clips. we need to move on. <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. I have to say. There you go. There's the FW 11B from '87. So this had, interestingly, three drivers mm. in this car See that. across the year. Yeah, so they've got them written down here. P.K. Mansell and Ricardo Patrese. Look at that. 12 pole positions and nine wins. Yeah, just Brilliant. not bad. Not bad, you know. as you go. Yes, not bad at all. Then after that, of course, it moves on a little bit with the FW 12, 12B. And it sort of didn't quite have the same success. So this is 1988. Mm-hmm. At what stage were you sort of knocking around the Formula One world, mate. When was your... Pro, well, 87 was my first test. 87 was your first yes, test. which so was in the Benetton Turbo, one of those sort of similar. what Where was your, 88 was, your sort of was Formula, Formula 3000. Yeah. But I was the reserve, not reserve, but I think I was on the junior team, the Benetton junior team yeah. of that year. And then I did actually test a Lotus at Monza. So you were still sort of dipping your toe into well, Formula I was still, One I was still, with your Formula 3000 yes, exactly. so, Well, I was still on this sort of trajectory to get into yeah. into formula one and and weirdly so you had an eye on these boys and these well, cars in 1988 after i did my test in in monza i was meant to have a chat with frank williams after the race so frank williams yeah, he came to the race at brands hatch yeah. he was in the in the pit lane just before the race he said i want to have a chat with you after the race because i crashed and i never yeah, spoke to him so it never it never happened so i don't know what frank was after i asked him many many years later <laughs> what did he, he say he couldn't remember he couldn't remember <laughs> oh, so it couldn't have been that important then <laughs> maybe not maybe not so then we got thierry bootson in the number five but obviously not with red red five there yeah. so yeah, we're just going a little bit further. So and when F- you were FW13, just getting into F1, mate, and you yeah. were sort of testing some of these cars, what were they like f- from your perspective to drive? Like, obviously, we, we always think about the era of cars that we drove and this, that and the other, but I have no idea, looking at some of these cars, what, how much of a beast and what they would be like. What was it for you when you first jumped into F1? What stood out? Uh, the smell. The smell. <laughs> the smell. Because if you go to a modern paddock now and a modern Formula 1 car, yeah. it's not really much of a yeah, smell in the paddock, is it? Really, smell. no. Yeah. But the fuel really gave off quite a powerful smell. So that was the first thing I remember walking around the car. Yeah. This is the Benetton when I drove at Brands Hat. Then when I sat in the car 
again, that smell was just around you yeah. all the time. The only time it disappeared was actually when you got on the race on the racetrack itself. But um, yeah, and smell was the first thing. Were they physical cars? Were they? Well, you yes. Because they huge tires on them. You know, super super again, wide. Super wide. Super still, wide. Yeah. You know, yeah. not. When you look at that compared to a modern car, the body works flat, it's simple, mm-hmm. like it doesn't look like it's going to have as much aerodynamic, you know, ground effect, obviously was still, you know, relevant in that sort of early era. What, what was it like? Well, the big thing is, is when you go back to the, the car we just saw there with Red 5 initially on, which was Nigel's car with that sort of Honda Turbo, yeah. it was the power was one thing. The power was just The power was one was thing, because I said it was over a thousand horsepower. So was it like you've got an egg... Un, like an egg under your throttle pedal, the way you had to approach it. Was yes, it super, because the way the, there was because there was turbo lag. Yeah, and turbo lag was something that the Honda was very, very good. When I drove the Ford, it was quite talky. So when it came in, it was quite quick. But then I, I understood, which I never drove a, a BMW with the Brabham. It was like a switch. So it was like Honor. 100 horsepower, 150 horsepower. Then it went to about 1300 horsepower. <laughs> it was just trying to get your head around that. It was just bang. So I was very fortunate to drive the, the Cosi that was quite smooth, but the Honda was just unbelievably smooth but then there was the big difference which was it was all about power efficiency drag wasn't even thought about really it was so just whack, like whack up big the boost, tires big engine whack up the boost sort of and job. get all the power that you possibly <laughs> could out of it but i, I like have to that. say that billy raw or, raw and that is where what billy they were absolutely awesome pieces of kit so this so, is still the era the fw30 90s now here yeah Yep, so we're moving into the 90s era here at Williams. Yes, we are. So that's Ricardo Petrazzi and Thierry Boots and one pole position and two wins. But it starts to change when we go a little bit to our left. Yeah. This is, there's a name that will come into play. Yeah. An FW14. What name comes into play? You tell me, mate. Adrian Newey. Adrian Newey. Adrian Newey. What a name to throw in the hat, eh? This is where it all sort of starts. In 1991, williams Renault. Mansell and, and Patrese racing that one. Six poles, seven wins. Seven wins. Not bad, not bad. You know, just starting to rack up numbers after numbers at this point, aren't they? This yes. Is a, a bit of a purple patch for Williams, wasn't it? Now I'm getting excited. 92. 92. This for me, that's probably one of the most well-known historic cars that Williams have produced, honestly. Yes, Definitely so. 15 pole positions <laughs> ten and wins. 10 wins. Yes. Mansell again, Red 5. That for me, you know, I've watched plenty of clips of, you know, Mansell throwing this thing about on the edge and thinking I would have loved to be in that era and drive these cars. Yeah. This for me, even though, again, I still wasn't born at this point, it's still grabbing my attention. These cars still stand out to me. Deliveries are just wicked as well. I do love the way these cars look. Yeah, oh, they're, they're absolutely brilliant. And it, it, again, it's how big that front wing is. It's just such a massive I'm glad wing. we've got front wings again because yeah. I was a bit worried when we were back in the 80s, mate, with cars without <laughs> front wings. I, <laughs> I thought, know. is this Formula One or is this something completely different? Because yeah. I was unaware of that situation. Yeah, although it's a big wing we look at sort of the modern cars and they've got sort of quite a few elements haven't they it's still like you say fairly simple four elements it's got two yeah there's the main plane and then just one big flap yeah biggest gurney and a gurney sort of a little upright that sort of goes on the back of uh, a wing a rear wing yeah and also on the on the flap but that one is like and nearly two inches thick yeah the height of it goes on and on it goes on and on and on and one thing I i will point this out billy yeah inside the wheels and I tested those. You see those great big long side end plates. Yeah. So it actually goes from yeah, the, from here, and it then goes back inside the, the, the front, front wheel. Exactly. Yeah. That was Adrian Newey did that in 1988, I think it was That's on the four March years before when it was a March. Yes, that was when they first came along, and I tested them on a Lotus. And what was the theory behind it? What's the theory? Well, behind I think that it was just I, well, just a direct the airflow. I'm not an aerodynamicist, so I don't oh, really know. Johnny, but I, I suppose it's guiding, for us <laughs> guiding the air away from the tyre. Yeah, true. It? And then maybe trying to get it underneath the floor. But I think the main thing was just trying to sort of draw the air away from the, course, from the front wheels. That would be my guess. Four years ahead of the time. Yeah, is that you good? Know. Do you reckon that was a good explanation? Yeah, something yeah. like that, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something like that one. Yeah, so moving on from that dominating car. Yeah. Two with Nigel. Yeah, I think that's the... The best way to sum it up. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, FW15C, Alain Prost and Damon Hill. And this was the last championship, fourth championship for Alain Prost in this car. So, And around this era, mate, 
Yeah. There was a lot of talk around uh, a certain active suspension Indeed. as well being introduced. So, yes. you know, what was that whole debate like and how did that all unfold from your perspective? Well, again, Williams used yeah. it beautifully, beautifully and just made a, a car that was just so dominant in that period. And I had it in 93 when I was at Lotus. It got banned uh, after that. The system I have to drive it was literally that the monocoque didn't move. And all you could see peripherally, especially at the front, was just the wheels moving up and down. Did that, that ever make it. you think that, oh, I've got a bit of suspension damage? You know, I'd think, no. you know, with no, no, the way no. these cars are, you see the wheels start moving up no. and down, thinking, oh, I'll tell you on. one very, very quick story. Spain 93 had a little bit of a twitch going on in the car, got to the grid, stopped, and the rear, the rear wheel was shaking. It was pattering. It was moving around all the time. Yeah. They were plugging the computers in, trying to sort it out. Couldn't sort it out. We actually went round to, to the grid itself. Yeah. They jumped over the wall again, plugged the computer into it. Couldn't, couldn't fix it, but then it suddenly stopped. And we thought, okay, we have fixed it. So they yeah. ju- And this is literally 30 seconds before the lights, the lights went out, or the flag, as in those days, the flag was dropped. Yeah. Then I took off. I did about four laps of me, what, three or four laps. I passed three people on the first lap. But the interesting thing, I got, I got a radio call to come in and we, we, uh, we stopped from the race. I only had three working wheels, suspension. No. Because that twitching one, when it stopped, yeah. actually stopped working. So but that was staying at the same It was just like a, a dog with a broken just, leg. Yeah. It was just sort of doing nothing. It was just moving up and down, but it was just on a little tiny but spring that it had. But you cars. Because the other three compensated for that one rear that wasn't even working at all. And I was still able to overtake. Could I feel the difference? Yeah, did you feel a difference? A tiny bit, but not much. Really? It wasn't as if it so was sort of you, dipping and everything else. Did you come into the pits and go, why, are we, why have we stopped? Well, yes, because I, I thought everything was okay. And they said, no, 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 it's not working at the rear. Unbelievable. And that was where these things, from the control system that it was, from an aerodynamics point of view more so, was unbelievable. You know, we used to go down the straight, we'd press a button, the back would drop and the front would go up and you go down the straight like that. That was the best for, for drag, for example. So it was a fasc- yeah, crazy, fascinating time, it? fascinating time. Crazy. So, yeah. And then, of course, then it got banned in 94. They keep talking about it, don't they? Yeah. Keep talking about it, but... I'm not sure it's going to happen. Well, that's fascinating, Johnny, honestly, that active suspension era, how that got banned in the end, uh, fascinating to me. And we're about to move on to, uh, you know, it's fair to say an absolute legend of the sport and, uh, yeah, some iconic, iconic years and iconic cars. Yeah, and an iconic colour. We'll be back shortly to talk about that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right, Johnny, we're back. First thing I've got to say, just looking at these cars and this particular driver, but the cars themselves, they're just good-looking cars, aren't they, mate? They just, for me, these cars, they just look smart. Got a little bit of footage. Yeah, and then we had a face of who? Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna. Yeah. So I think you can guess where we are uh, as far as the The cars. But aren't they clean? It's got such a clean line to it from the front to the curly whirlies that we explained a little bit earlier on that yeah. go in the inside of the, the front wheels to the real bodywork. And then it sort of, you know, dissipates everything out of the back back of the, uh, the bodywork and the lovely V10 exhaust note, the Renault V10. Beautiful. Obviously, this is a, an era which is, you know, is 
a really historic moment in the world of Formula One because yeah. you know lost some of the some some great F1 drivers, including Ayrton Senna. Indeed. What what was it like, mate? Just out of interest, just being in Formula One at this time because obviously you know huge controversy, huge you know accidents and big moments. What sure. was that like from your perspective? Well, I think I think it was something we all mentally sort of accepted that sort of danger danger was there so once that was sort of put to the back of your mind it was about driving the car were they better or were they worse back in this era compared to a a new car it was just different the challenge was exactly the same so it doesn't actually change you look at them they're very different they're much they're much shorter than a modern day car they are are a bit wider as i said that even this one is about a foot wider it surprises me the width because they're shorter when you look at a modern formula one car yeah the length You've got George Russell's just over the corner here. So yeah. when I look at that car and the length of it, it just looks like you could almost fit two of these inside of it. It's, well, like, it's well, crazy. Well, they've got a platform that uh, the car is actually, actually on George's car. But it's it. hanging off the front because the thing is so damn long. And, of course, that was designed for one of these sort of 90s cars. So it's just amazing how they have stretched over the years to yeah, that. Yeah, so they're super long. But like you say, these were a little bit wider. Well, it's all the, the bits, day. isn't it? It's all the little bits, the gubbins around the side of the, where the driver yeah, is. Yeah, I think that's what we, we mean when we're talking about how clean these cars yeah. look. You know, the center era, 94 cars we've got here. You know, it, they just look so simplistic, but in a good kind of way. But it worked, and it worked. And it worked, and, and they were clearly fast. Yeah, clearly fast. And of course... Then we've got sort of Ayrton's helmet in front of us yeah. uh, on a little plaque there. That classic Brazilian yeah, colour scheme. Definitely. Something you ever, you, when you looked in your mirrors, I didn't see it very often, I must admit. Nah. When I was in the mirrors because he was what, already gone. in your mirrors? He was already gone, yeah, centre <laughs> in my mirrors. Yeah, it's only if he had a bad day. Yeah. Oh, oh, we were in qualifying maybe. That was about, <laughs> that was about as much as it, it went. What was he like to race against, Johnny? What was Senna like as an individual? As an individual, he was... Very, very lax when he would when he was out the out the cockpit. Yeah. When he was in the pits or in the paddock, you you could see there was a different man because he was blinkered and only thinking about one thing. Yeah. It was making the car he was in go as fast as it possibly possibly could. I think he was the first of the I don't know, the new breed that really put his whole body and soul into it. I'm not saying they didn't do it in, in the past, yeah. but I think with the technology that was there, maybe the expectations that were there from the sponsors, for example, that's something that didn't happen until, what, the late 60s when Colin Chapman and Goldleaf, I think it was, came into, into sponsoring Formula One cars. Yeah. And before that, it wasn't really part of it. So the, the expectations were very, very high. So Frank Williams had brought Ayrton in because he wanted Ayrton to be in a Williams car. How hard did he have to fight for Ayrton to get into the team? Well, I think it was probably hard, but not so hard for that for that particular season going into into ninety four. Yeah, because it's not like they weren't successful a few years before. Well, again, but it was the time where the McLaren wasn't doing such a yeah, such a hard, so kind of a good thing. So the timing was perfect, and it was a perfect timing timing to That's cross. Normally, how it works in Formula One, isn't it? When yeah. you get big names moving from teams, it's just got to be the right timing. Was it the perfect move though? Because the success they were having with Nigel didn't translate straight away no it didn't it wasn't a a smooth transition as such qualifying it worked very very well but in the race i know with michael schumacher especially in the in the benetton was more competitive in the in the race so i knew that i know there was a lot more head scratching going on at that time wasn't quite as the crossover to success didn't really come that easy for Ayrton but we do know sadly after that uh, crash that he had in Imola that Damon did take over the reins of the team something he wasn't expecting yeah and you know he nearly won and should have won the championship at the end of that year so you you know you knew that if Ayrton was still with us through that season I'm sure he would have won that he would have won, he would have won, won in 94 because he got better and better and stronger and stronger during, during the season but yeah. still a lovely looking piece of kit that yeah I think the way Williams have got this set up here with, you know, yeah. the, the Ayrton Senna helmet, the clips playing, the cars, I think it just pays tribute to, yeah. you know, a big Indeed. moment in the team's, you know, their team's career, their history. Yeah, and if you get a chance, yeah. you've got to come. Yeah. You've got to come, haven't you, Billy? Because yeah, this, this, is this place is wonderful. incredible. Yeah. The history here, you know, the, just the way you can literally, like I say, it's like a yeah. We're looking back time down zone. You can, all the way to the eight, back to it the feels 80s. weird that we're yeah we're looking yeah. to the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> just from being in a room, you know, look down 
the corridor, you're back in the 80s. You, that's what Formula One, these Formula One cars do to you, don't they? They just take you back to different eras. Yeah, and it's sort of set out like a little racetrack, actually. It's quite dark, quite black, black yeah. grey, but a little lighting, mood lighting, but it looks brilliant because the cars stand out. Beautiful stuff. We've actually got a touring car, haven't we, on the right? Yeah. Jason Plato's Renault. Yeah, you were telling me about raced. that because I didn't know too much ar- yeah. around that. that it was, was just uh, a relationship, of course, with the with the Formula One team having the, the Renault engines. They just sort of helped sort of tune up tune mate, up the work. Renault uh, British touring car that uh, Jason I drove. don't know about you, mate, but just being in here does make me just want to get in the cockpit of some of these cars, you know. I'm looking, no one's about. I'm looking there going, no one's about. Look, there's two cars with yes. Senna's name on them. Should we not be in them? No, you need to get back to your Red 5. Red 5? Yeah, get your Red 5. Yeah, I, I, I know, I, I, know I like Red 5, but I also like Ayrton Senna. <laughs> so one of the two will do. I'm, I'm going to go Ayrton Senna with you. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that I one. That was a reason the rest why of the you were st- sending me back down that way <laughs> to Red 5. So, yeah. All right, mate. Well, that was... Uh, Everything around that centre era. Should we move on to, yes. you know, some slightly, uh, probably slightly more, more memorable times for you, mate? Because, you know, this was, this was your era. We might have won a couple of races, from yeah. me, if my memory serves me well. Well, this. this is the, yeah, the 95 season Yeah, uh, we're going to. This is uh, the FW17. Yeah. Uh, Damon Hill and David Coulthard yeah. behind the wheel of this one. Yeah. 17 so, races, 12 poles and five wins. So again, still actually funny that, you know, you're looking at the, the pole positions and wins. There's still a lot more poles there than there are Grand Prix wins. In the modern Formula One era, you know, 12 yeah. poles would normally mean 12 wins almost. Yeah, and i tell you what's different from, from that era to this era is reliability. Reliability. Yeah. These things were the still fragile. Again, it's got a semi-automatic gearbox, but even those still had problems. And then there were still other little issues that came into play as well. Lovely thing as well. We got the fr- we can see in front. We've got the front nose of the car with the wing, and then we have got a little Senna emblem. Yeah, uh, as well. Um, still on the car, and that's something I know yeah. kept there for a long, long time. Yeah, they did. They kept that yeah. for a long which was, time, which was nice. Nice, and to that's see that how tribute. much you, you ask me about sort of Frank and trying to get Ayrton there. I think that just shows how much it meant to Frank and the I Williams. I think you team. feel that, don't you? Even in yeah. this place here, just looking at all the history, you feel that team spirit come through. I, I just look up at all, uh, down at all the cars the year, yeah. and I just think Williams has got something special in that department, hasn't it? It's, Always has. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. I always hope that they will actually have a better season more recently because of yeah. the history that they've got from what Patrick Head did to what Sir Frank did. You know, they grafted to get themselves in a position to, to win the world championship. And I think that sort of ethos is still a big part of this place. Yeah, you can really feel it from being here. So let's talk about that 95 yes. season, mate, and, and mention it from your perspective. I know we're here at Williams, but, you know, a, a season of... Highs? Yes, I think so. And lows. But and highs lows, highs as well. But the highs obviously is Silverstone. Yeah. Ninety five, my first my first Grand Prix win. But the interesting thing is it's seeing this Williams in the gravel. <laughs> that's what that you was, remember that was when I slipped up the inside of Damon Neal and Michael <laughs> Schumacher because they'd obviously Damon had crashed into, into Michael which I was third and that yeah. put me put me into the lead of the race so yeah and then later in Monza, Monza as well point? where they crashed together again strangely <laughs> enough so well, I didn't realise I was going into the lead I think you I was, didn't no I just I'd seen that I'd, I could see that they were off but it just didn't compute. It was, yeah. I think Ross Braun came onto me down hanger straight, I think it was, telling me that I was leading the race. And, and DC did that was further behind. Your mindset at all? Or well, because it, obviously your first Grand Prix win, that's a big, big moment. Sure. But, it, but all, all, all I'd always tried to do when I was in a car was be as consistent as I possibly could. And I didn't change from that. So yeah. I just carried on doing what I had to do. And then DC got a, a penalty for speeding in the pit lane. So it made my life that much easier as well. Because I didn't any, have to fight anybody. Any nerves on the last few laps? Like, when did you start to think, I can, no. I can do this? Or was it like, well, it was quite, the line well, it was, and then it's... It was quite literally when they went off. Yeah. I when them, And then Ross told me I was in the lead. I still, I, you know, I felt I could win it. Because I knew I, I knew I had the pace. I knew I had the car. 
Um, I just needed the reliability, I suppose, to, to get me through. So again, so, was that something that started to creep into your mind? No, yeah, you said these are no. still fragile. Were you thinking, please don't break on me now? Like just, you know, being nice and gentle. With, sure, uh, yeah. But again, there's nothing you can do with the, with the gearbox as it is. It's just a paddle yeah. in the car. When yeah. it was a, a gear stick, yeah, it was could. down to you. It was much more important that you got the gear shifting right. One, that you didn't over rev it, as in you went, you, when you were going to third, you didn't get first. Yeah. Because that would blow up the blow engine, the thing up. blow yeah. the thing up. And then the clutch, you had to sort of, when you was pushing the clutch with your left foot, you had to make sure you were sort of doing the right thing with the clutch, not to burn out the clutch. But this is not is out of your control. All you do is just touch it, electronic sensor, sends a signal, and then it changes gear. So it's just about you not making a driver error. That's really the main, the yeah. main thought. And this one here we've got here, this is David Coulthard's it is. car from 95. Yeah, um, so, obviously so I saw it in my mirrors. So saw it in my mirrors, mirrors a lot, yes, which oh, was quite nice. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was good. But yeah, lovely, lovely memories for me, but a nice period for Williams as well because success uh, was still able to, to come their way. Not in 95, but of course to the FW18 next door, 96. 96, yeah. And that was the uh, the year that Damon Hill won his, won his world championship. And you're, you're fairly close with Damon. Obviously, you've raced him in this era and obviously you've worked with him since. So uh, what was... Damon, like when he was on top in the sport, when he was winning world championships, was he uh, was he unbearable to be around? Sometimes was he like a bit of a, a rubber in your face kind of guy, or was he like? It definitely a, wasn't like that. No, <laughs> no. The, how can I explain Damon? Silverstone, and I think it could have been this '95 or '96, '96 season. I can't remember. So I'm in the pit lane. I'm walking sort of one way. He's walking the other way. Morning, Damon, and he walked past. Just blanked me. Didn't say a dicky bird as he, as he went past because <laughs> Damon was very intense. He was sort of really thinking about, yeah. like I said about Ayrton, yeah. just thinking about what he needed to do that day. Then about 10 minutes later, when we were actually walking back the other, the opposite way, morning, Johnny, how are you? Everything, chat, 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 chat. And it was like, you, you blanked me 10 minutes ago. And he said, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I was just down the way. I was just telling the guys I needed to change the setup of the car. So again, it was just, that was Damon's way. Basically, but, don't, do not disturb when do he was disturb, in that Well, because he was just, well, he was zoned out. Yeah, you know, I, he didn't see me at all because he was just in this sort of another world. But yeah, he's a he's a real character. He's got a great sense of humour, very very dry sense of humour. Um, but he's but he's a great lad. You know, he's a rare gent off the track. To be honest, there isn't any sort of dark side to him at all. He's yeah. quite raw in his racing he, he worked very very hard to get himself in into formula one and then he worked mighty hard to get himself that world championship and and, and i always say when when we lost Ayrton and imola he was thrown into being team leader suddenly he was expecting responsibility massive responsibility and he and he dealt with it and he thrived uh, he did very much so and also when we talk about this era mate i, I don't know if you Obviously, you were driving at the time yourself, but I remember watching clips of this era. You can hear the likes of, you know, Murray Walker, the commentary, lump in my lump throat. Lump in my throat, yeah, yes, that indeed. Stuff. It just had, it had a special time, didn't it? The mid-late 90s. I remember my dad telling me a lot about, you know, watching Formula One in that era. Again, this is another special time in the sport, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was It was a good time, of course. We, we'd we lost Ayrton, but then we had Michael coming up. We had then Damon was there. And, of course, a little bit later, we'll see the FW 1997 with Jacques Villeneuve as well. And the rivalry was really really tough but it was two different teams as well yeah uh from benetton and, and and williams who went hard at it you know and they won sort of you know various championships in that time and and then of course then michael moved to ferrari and then that was a different uh, scenario as well but williams was still a big part of that we've got sort of a couple of red cars that are going to be coming yeah, out way in a little in my bit head, I'm not gonna lie, i was looking at them thinking they don't look right do they, they? they don't look right <laughs> and i almost want to ignore them because yeah. <laughs> red cars in a williams and it factory. wasn't a particularly good time either. No, it wasn't. Say. Like you say, the 96, 97 with Jack Villeneuve. No, that, I mean, it's Williams' last constructors you know, yes. winning seasons. You know, Indeed. It's been a, a little while since they've been, like you say, right at the top of the sport. They've been on podiums and stuff since then. But yeah, it's not just over a full season worked out for for Williams in that manner, has it? No, definitely not. And again, you look back at sort of Ayrton's car, I think the nose is different. But the actual the rear bodywork, the side bodywork looks quite that, similar yeah, going through 94, for a few 95. Years, it? No, it's a little bit different here in the, in the FW19 in front of us, Jacques Villeneuve's championship winning car in 97. It's just the, the air intake shape. 
you're yeah. slightly different. And you, we've spoken before about you know racing heroes and stuff, and you've mentioned, haven't you? Villeneuve. Yeah. You've mentioned that name to me, haven't uh, you? I have. So, Gilles. Gilles Villeneuve. Dad. So, so to Jacques. did you have a, did you look at Jacques in a different man? I know you were racing him at the time, but because of that relationship that you had to, you know, to his dad? Yeah, well, I think I've, I always, when I, when I always like watching Gilles, some of it sort of, I can't really remember because I think I was still quite, quite young at that time. Yeah. But um, Gilles had this, way of just racing the wheels off anything that he was in and if there was a a, a puncture that he'd had yeah he, and i remember he did it i think in zanville i think it was remember correctly and he basically drove it still hard flat out all the way just to get back into the pits so this tire just eventually just, <laughs> just sort of throwing itself to bits yeah, throwing itself to bits but he was like it was all over the shop but that was that was you but there was a bit with that with jacques there was still a little bit of madness in many respects that uh, jacques had different Yes, but in the cockpit, they had a very, very similar way. You know, the, the, the only difference, I suppose, when you look at them, obviously, looking very different, was his race suits. Because I think Gilles had them, they fitted. Yeah. And Jacques were like five times too big. Yeah. He you always remember that? They were always style, massive he, things. This sort of, suit was sort of floating yeah, around. Floating around. Exactly. But that's just how he felt comfortable. He yeah. Just, he didn't want it clingy. He just wants something. It's like when you're at home and you're wearing like a pair of baggy track yes, suits. Yes, well, like, Yeah, jogging bottoms. Yeah. That's so. the kind of style racer he went yeah. for. Yeah. And he was, the, is the, he was and, he, and he still is the only one, I think, that I've ever seen anyone sort of look so. Yeah, nowadays it's all back to the messy. slim fit. He looked messy, are you? Neat and tidy. Yes. But as a racer you know in this this era you know coming from uh, america as well and doing uh, indycar and and winning the indianapolis as well and then obviously doing it in in formula one as well so brilliant his dad should have been world champion but i'm glad the villeneuve name finally got a championship yeah no it was great to see that yes and right they, we have got these red cars we have though, are we going to miss these out short and sweet short yes and sweet. it's what he would pick i can see is on there red a uh, little bit of sponsorship it's red it's got a shoe uh, rack on it not but it's very not good Ferrari. i will read it, it. F, F, fw uh, 21 third place at british grand prix that was the best it got right so moving on moving on <laughs> Right, mate, should we do a bit of a, a fast-forward job? Yeah, let's do that. So we've I got feel an F, like. An FW 25, 26, Yeah, these 30. were, again, years where Williams were, had that BMW relationship. Yes. Like I say, we're, we're going to breeze over that era. We're going to move on to their last toy, sort of... A bit of Toyota there with the FW 30 yeah. as well. We want to find... Yes. Here we go. So this is Williams' last win in Formula One sort of era. Yeah. With... Not the probably the suspects of the name that people would would think Not when at you all. think Williams last Grand Prix winner. Right, I'm going to try and do a bit of a visualisation for okay. everybody. Yeah, a duck billed platypus. Yeah. Now, if you enter that in whatever search engine that you've got, have a look at a duck billed platypus. Yeah. And get the idea of the nose that it's got. So we have. I'm with you. Pastor Maldonado's race winning car, the last Williams car to win. A Grand Prix, which was in uh, in in Spain, yeah. so it's the FW thirty four, and it's got a nose like a duck bill platypus. I've got to say, so you can visual that. That is it's quite a ugly. Race, it's a race winning car, isn't it? But my God, I don't like it at all. No, but just from a looks perspective, that like you say, it's the high nose. It just didn't do it for me. <laughs> did not it did. do it for me. It, it did it for Pastor on that day. I have to say, in Williams, and what it a was, win that was. It was, and it was birthday. To Frank William birthday yeah. as well. I can't, it was his 60, I can't remember if it was his 60th or not. But anyway, it was his birthday. It, it was his came birthday. together, didn't it? And then there was a fire in the back of the garage after the race as well when the celebrations were going on. Yeah. Sort of everything happened for them in that. That, that kind of that makes one sense. Weekend. If Passanado, Maldonado was going to win a Grand Prix, there was going to be flames involved at some I point, wasn't there? <laughs> There's an element of that one. We've still got the Senna sticker on yep. the car so that is still, still a big yeah, part paying of homage it. to uh, yes to Etten himself but it was one of those things no one expected it no uh, one did no one expected especially it especially the fact that they were at Spain and a certain Fernando Alonso was yes. breathing down his neck you know <laughs> of all yes. the people Fernando Alonso at a home Grand Prix you think yeah I've Maybe today's not the day. <laughs> no, but he never cracked. No, it didn't he crack under pressure. He absorbed all that pressure. He was quick all weekend. I think he may have. Did he get pole position? I can't remember if he got pole position now. Let's have a look at the plaque. See what, what it nice says there. Plaque, I don't, yeah. He definitely won the race. So he did. He got pole position and converted and it. Converted it, beating Fernando Alonso. But 
ugly, yes. <laughs> Effective was pastel, yes. Um, it's just an unbelievable just, piece of uh, history because again I don't like know about I, you like again for people at home that can't actually see this car close up <laughs> look at that front wing yes Compare I that know to what we've been looking to and then the wings that have been built on top of the, yeah, the main plane we've got panel after panel little intricate bit of carbon after intricate bit of carbon it is just a bit of a maze this front wing yes it's not the you know two platforms main plane one extra one that we've had back in the 90s these things are engineered Yes. Unbelievably yeah. different. And this is where they were trying to clear, clean things up. Yeah. Remember sort of, was it 2007, 2008, the McLaren and what Lewis and Fernando were doing, especially in seven. Yeah. All the bits that that had on it. And I kept, they tried to get rid of all that, but they all crept back slowly. But you get, it's got wing on top of wings yeah. on that front wing. So you have a look again. Have yeah, a look the design the team engine, really we'll had their work cut out with this one, didn't they? Yes, they did. A lot did. of work going, went into it. But yeah, this is Williams' last Grand Prix win, Johnny, which yeah. is a bit sad considering what we've just looked at back 2012. in 2012. Yeah. yeah, I know. We, we'd like to see them, you know, have another shot at fighting for Grand Prix victories shortly. Yeah, I hope so. And again, I think they're on a, on a better trajectory to... To, to be able to achieve that and hopefully hopefully it will come back because I tell you what they've got a lot of support out there they have mm. got a team with huge history huge yes. support I think a lot of people are waiting for the moment they come back right should we move on to I guess the most modern car yes that Williams have got looks a beast doesn't setup. it I mean it like you say <laughs> earlier we did describe the platform it is on but it looks about four foot longer than most of the other cars in here yeah minimum hanging off the front of the platform. And it's driven this one by a certain George Russell. Yes. Now that's a Brit we can get behind. Yes. That's and a this was uh, Formula One, you this is when say. Mr. Saturday came into Mr. our lives, Saturday. wasn't it? This, this was the birth of Mr. Yes, Saturday. Yes, it was. It was, you know, unbelievable what he did in this car. And it did, it did him well, to be honest. And I think he learned a lot of good things working for, for the team itself. And uh, we're only seeing that today yeah. with the performances he's doing at Mercedes. Yeah, I'm sure Williams still wish that they had a George Russell behind the wheel of their car because what, like you say, he was able to extract out of a Williams, which was at the time a team that was struggling. Now, you know, with the glimpses performance, we're starting to see from them at certain tracks mm. where their car suits it. If you had George Russell in there, you feel like they'd, you know, they'd be racking up some good points this season. Definitely. Yeah. The, the thing I love about George as well, and we've seen that from the likes of Max, uh, from Lewis and all the champions from Ayrton and Nigel, etc., is it's their ability to be consistent. And that's how they win those championships. Yeah. George, he's got that. He's got consistency. He has definitely got those, that consistency, which is going to really pay dividends when eventually he gets a car that will enable him to win races. Because once he starts winning races, they keep on winning. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, it's, uh, again, the front wings have now gone back to a little bit more of a simple time. Yeah. Back in 2021. So, you know, a few more panels to it. Yes. So they've got four sort of winglets and then you've got the main plane itself. But so... As much as the uh, front wing, you know, it's more simple in its looks compared to the Williams' last winning car in 2012. The rest of it, mate, I mean, it looks like a bit of a transformer, doesn't it? Yep, You've got, pretty you know, much. bits sticking off of it. You know, look at just the, the front bit here going up to the steering wheel. You've got panels off the side directing airflow. It is... It's crazy to me how Formula One, the design philosophy changes so much in certain periods. You go from cars looking really simple. We go to the platypus nose, as you described yes. it back in 2012. <laughs> now the nose is simple again. So it's kind of almost going sort of back in time towards the 90s. But the rest of the car, you couldn't get more bits of intricate carbon than if you tried hanging off the side of it. No, but it's when you look at sort of Ayrton's car and then you go back to Nigel's car as well. You just look at the floor. It's just a floor with a diffuser at the back and the side of it is just a very nice, crafted, beautiful finish. But then on a modern day floor of a Formula One car, there's all these little streaks that they put in and the way the floor then is able to make the air use the ground effect obviously that these cars are i and, always and think it's not a smooth edge is it there's just little wing there's one, one of flat two, carbon almost there's three little well there's two four six little winglets facing towards the driver not oh. like a rear wing facing obviously as the direction of the car they're actually facing sideways yeah but again they're able to sort of guide the air i always think you know you look at the 
the, yeah, the cars we've got us. over there in the, in the 90s. Mm. Jumping out the side of that thing is fairly straightforward. You know, you've not got going much on by the side of the cockpit. Here, you've got to be careful because you put your foot in the wrong place, you're snapping a bit of carbon fibre off and it's almost like a complete re- rebuild job on the, the side of the car. Well, it's very interesting you say that because when you look at Ayrton's car, Ayrton's car is directly in front of us. Um, we can see the nose, we go into the cockpit. Yeah. Now, the, the monocoque stopped just underneath your, your below your shoulder yeah. blade. Okay. Yes, yeah, definitely finishes yeah. a lot lower, doesn't and it? And of course, you go to the modern car, and the car is com- the car completely covers the driver. We had no foam at the side. If we had a if we had a crash, we would just hit the helmet against the monocoque yeah. and the carbon fibre. Where now, of course, it's got some foam at the side. Of course, now the halos come come into effect as well. So they have changed massively. And unfortunately, it was after that crash that we had with Ayrton that a lot of things started to change to try and make these cars, you know, um, protect the drivers yeah. more and more and more. Keep and them they safe have definitely as done that as safe as possible. Exactly. Which is cool. So yeah, things have moved on in a in a in a massive way, but the fundamentals, Billy, have stayed exactly the same. Yeah, the driver is still the important factor in the speed of the car. Well, Johnny, we can't really be in the Williams heritage looking at all these areas of Formula One cars without actually talking about the main man himself, which was Frank Williams, who's no longer you know with us, no longer a part of the team. Yeah. What what do you kind of make of what was your experience of Frank and how do you think he managed to like you say go from really having to graft to win world championships? How did he get from where he was to building all of this? Well, you said it, graft. You know, he worked. That's the key word. Yeah, very much so. Because you know, I understand it. I know for for people who haven't seen the the Williams film, you know, it's fascinating to see how Frank sacrificed his family effectively to to be able to go racing and i know his very early days he worked in a garage leicestershire i think it was i think i think it was that way um and he used to use the phones to get a deal i've heard about this yes and then also when he he had to do it um because he couldn't do that in the day he used it in the night the business phone but during the day he used to go down to the telephone box and make his calls to do the deals that he needed to do to be able to, to be able to, to go racing so that sort of mentality i think stayed with him he knew how important it was to graft even when things were going well you couldn't rest on your laurels yeah he was always pushing to either get the next big thing as in a driver or the next big thing and getting the the correct engine um and also a designer you know you know he was the man who sort of brought on adrian newey into the big time you know so there was always a, a thought process and of course sir frank was always a big part of that but so was patrick head you know, Patrick Head, from what I understand, was, again, very, very driven as an engineer. But it, his expectations of you as a driver were very, very strong I've heard strong sort of stories as well. that he sort of ruled with an iron fist. Yes. He was quite a strong character. Yes. Did you know, you heard that as well? I've heard it. Now, I heard a story, and I don't know if it was true, but I would not be surprised. It did happen, I know, as far as him leaving. And I, and I believe it was um, Heinz Howard Frentzen who was testing for, for the team, so that was for 97. So he did do a testing in Jerez, and I, and I heard he went off over a curb, and it split the, the monocoque. Ooh. And Patrick, I heard, sort of went absolutely bonkers. And Basis sort of said, you, you racing, you're getting in my car, and you're damaging my car, you can go home, and he sent him home. Now, I heard that was, no. that was true, and I could imagine that because his passion, again, you're damaging his car, and he knew how important it was to have a car on the track, mm. not a car where it's, it's, we've got Splitting, to fix it yeah. or we've got to get a new monocoque sorted out. And I know, speaking to, to Damon um, as well, he said, yeah, he was... Yeah, but, but your character also had to be strong as well to fight back. Yeah, at him couldn't be well. a pushover because he was he was he was very involved with with strategy. And I heard he was I think it was in Japan. I think it was he was very much telling the team to bring in uh, Montoya. I think it was bring bring in bring in Montoya now. Bring him in now. And his engineer was saying no 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 no. We're sticking to our strategy. The strategy is going round. I am telling you now. Bring him in. And he and he didn't. The engineer. Um, and I think he won that race if I remember correctly. And then this is where, where, where he was very, very different. He went to the engineer after and said, you were right. So he had that ability also to, 
to he was strong-willed but when he was wrong but he when he knew he was come wrong, out and say it he would actually then sort of give them a pat on the back as well but that's why again he and frank were able to to produce the wonderful cars that we've been lucky so to do see. you think it was a different era of you know leading yes. a team do you think it you know it looks different nowadays leading a team because there's so many personnel there's so many people involved in formula one nowadays do you think you literally had to you know there was a couple of characters back in the day that used to get everyone up and running and used to really carry yeah. the team forward because that's what it feels like being here doesn't it, it feels yes. like the williams name's up on the the door for a reason sure. because he would carried the team forward he with... did. well he was a team principal but he was a team owner yeah enzo ferrari team principal it was a it was a the team owner colin chapman the same so those characters it was their baby invested they had to work very very hard to do it where now of course those team owners aren't there anymore they're not no it's very very different so so it's just it's changed over the time sort of the actual work ethic is probably exactly the same The the new technology that we have nowadays has come into play a lot a lot more but i think you still feel frank and patrick here there is still some aura yeah. that, that you feel. And I think just by looking at the cars, I think that just brings that, that all back. And there's lovely as well, because there's all pictures all the way around behind the, the backs of the cars with all the drivers in there, the video that we've said playing as well. And um, obviously Frank had, had uh, his own accident his, and his own situation yeah. away from, you know, running all of this, you know. Sure. It, it wasn't plain sailing away from a racetrack for Frank Williams and, at all was it you know having his accident you know picking up the injuries he did his you know his life changed dramatically but yet he still managed to continue to run this team well after everything that happened to him being a, a, a quadriplegic the brain didn't change did it yeah he was still driven and i think that's why he survived as long as he did as well as a quadriplegic mm. but the sport was such a driving force for him and i think that just kept him kept him going because it's all he knew. The passion hadn't waned in, in, in any way. And it was the same, Frank, that it was before the accident and what it was after the accident. I had yes, the pleasure it was a of very meeting him, way. Frank, oh, right, yes. not long after my uh, accident. Yeah. So it was when I, back in 2017, going to the British Grand Prix as a guest of Lewis. Yeah. I remember walking through the paddock and I was just walking on my prosthetics. So mm-hmm. it was like all new to me. And I saw Frank Williams and he instantly came up to me, said hello, introduced himself and just was just chatting to me. And he just had such enthusiasm. I could tell that straight yes. away. So honestly, I think just spending that short little bit of time with him, meeting him, mm. I just, you could just see the, the enthusiasm, the energy, the passion. And I think hearing what you've said about, you know, you know, you thought that that kept him going. I completely am on the same wavelength because I just think he looked like he could just take on the world, even with yeah. all this, you know, the situation he was dealing with. So, yeah, very inspiring man. And I think he's inspired the team to, to keep moving in the right direction in yeah. Williams. I, I, again, I think everybody's very aware of what, what, uh, what Frank did. Um, and I think they are still just with the memory. I think they still want to try and get it back to those wonderful effective sort of days of winning races but winning world championships and the nice thing about frank because you were saying about he came up to you because he knew you was a driver he loved drivers yeah it was a massive passion for him um that he wanted to to pick and choose the drivers that he got and he was very good at with british drivers actually he was always very supportive of all the british drivers that were there but again that was another side to him where he knew that ingredient was very, very important. And he made sure that he, he got the, the very best in the cars. And we look at the names on the side of these cars. There's some pr- pretty cracking names that he's, that he's had in his cars. I don't know about you, Johnny, but it has been a pleasure having a look around this yes. place, you know. Thanks so much to Williams for giving Indeed. us this opportunity to have a, a real look around. Because, yeah, you, this never gets old, does it? No. Looking at all sorts of eras of Formula One cars and taking it all in. Hearing all the stories has been fascinating from, from you, man. I really enjoyed, you know, actually seeing you talk about the cars that you drove and, mm. and your era of Formula One and what it was actually like. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, again, we, you're right, Billy. We've been very lucky, thanks. Uh, Williams, Heritage Williams, obviously, is where we are yeah. uh, as well, to, you know, to let us in, to have a look around at all the wonderful pieces of machinery that have, some have been good, some have been bad, 
but overall what a what a history this place has got yeah we're at we're very lucky Williams have got a huge history in Formula One and uh, yeah this season we're not too sure how it unfolds for them but hopefully they're they're back fighting for race victory soon because 2012 that seems to me like too long since we've had a Williams too long. You're at right. the front of the grid yes yeah. it's, it, hopefully it's, it's, it's going in the right direction and we'll be talking to a man hopefully that can tell us a bit more exactly that wow what an experience we have had today at Williams thank you so much to the team for looking after us Absolutely, Billy. And make sure you join us later in the week when we lift the lid with Williams team principal, James Vowles. Hey, that's my line. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rome Wilkinson and Andy Bell. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.